Oh, what a wonderful Savior. What a mighty good counselor that we serve. Oh, good morning, Shiloh. I greet you this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end of my life. To my bishop, the Reverend Dr. Benjamin Keith Watts. Oh, I said to our bishop, uh, the Reverend Dr. Benjamin Keith Watts, uh, we don't need other people to celebrate him because uh, we can celebrate him uh, right in this house because we know who we have in our midst. And while you're putting your hands together for our bishop, uh, please honor our first lady who is a woman of excellence, uh, Lady Cynthia Watts. To Elder Short and Elder Wade, the ministers, deacon, deaconess. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day it is in the house. Until my children, Trefina and Minister Robert, who I love so dearly. And to my husband, Minister Robert Martin, who I love, honor, and respect. And I thank God for him. In July, we will celebrate our 30th wedding anniversary. Oh, marriage is a ministry. Oh, oh, we have been ministering to one another. And anybody that has been married less than a week, you know that marriage is a ministry. It takes you to give and take every day. But I thank God for him. Hallelujah. And I also thank God, last but surely not least, for you, my Shiloh family. I bless God for you and for your love, your support, and for your prayers during the time of our bereavement. I truly do. You have been a joy and an honor to my family and I. You know, the Lord had called my dad home at the age of 79. But being with him for 79 years was just long enough for me to forget that God only loaned him to me. And I thank God for his life and I celebrate him, but I also celebrate you because you have truly been wonderful and I love you and I thank God for you. But this morning, I am humbled and honored to stand behind the sacred desk to declare the word of the Lord. And before we go into the word, let me invite you to pray with me. Holy, 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 the Lord thy God almighty, the one that was, the one that is, and the one that's still yet to come. I am privileged to stand before your people, O oh God, by my, not in my own strength, by the strength and power of the Holy Ghost. Father, I ask that you speak to me and speak through me as I preach your word. Let burdens be lifted and yokes be destroyed. Holy Ghost, you take total control of the atmosphere. Move by your spirit and move by your power and move by your might. That God, when it's all said and done, God, that you will be glorified, magnified, and edified 
and the devil will be horrified. We thank you, O oh God. In your son's name, I do pray. Amen. Judges chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, was already read early in your hearing. And I'm going to ask you if you would turn with me back to Judges chapter 4, where we're going to start at verses 4 through 9, and then we're going to skip down to verse 14 through 16. And those of you who are physically able, can you please stand for the reading of the word? The word comes to us from the New Living Translation Bible on this wise. Deborah, the, life, the wife of Labathoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at the time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. One day she sent for Barak, not Barack Obama, but the son of Abinohim, who lived in Kadesh in the land of Naphtali. She said to him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulon at Mount Tabor, and I will call out Sesera, commander of, of Japan's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishin River. There I will give you victory over him. Barak told her, I will go, but only if you go with me. Very well, she replied, I will go with you, but you will receive no honor in this venture, for the Lord's victory over Sisera will be at the hands of a woman. So Deborah went with Barak to Kadesh, verse 14. Then Deborah said to Barak, get ready. This is the day the Lord will give you victory over Sisera, for the Lord is marching ahead of you. So Barak led his 10,000 warriors down the slopes of Mount Tabor into battle. When Barak attacked, the Lord threw Sisera and all his chariots and warriors into a panic. Sisera leaped down from his chariots and escaped on foot. Then Barak chased the chariots and the enemy army all the way to Hirashith Higoim, killing all of Sisera's warriors. Not a single one was left alive. The word of the Lord. Before you take your seat, please turn to the person on the right of you and announce my sermon title. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord. Oh, come on now. Turn to the person on the left of you and say, the battle is not yours. It's the Lord. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. In 1993, the extraordinary Grammy award-winning gospel legend and record producer Yolanda Adams released her signature song, The Battle is the Lord's. In the song, she reminds us that there is no pain Jesus can feel. There is no hurt he cannot heal. For all things work according to the master's purpose and his holy will. No matter what you're going through, God only wants a chance to use you. For the battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. 
Its profound lyrics have inspired Christians all over the world to look to the Lord when circumstances are out of control. Not only has this song ministered to Christians all over the world, it also has a tremendous impact on the secular society who find comfort in being reminded that the Lord is concerned with humanity and emphasizes with the struggles that we have here on earth. Let's face it, fighting battles are not discriminatory. It's no respecter of person. It does not see gender, race, age, class, religious denomination, or political affiliation. Every one of us has some battles to fight or gonna need the Lord to fight on our behalf. Whether you're battling an addiction or illness that has invaded your body, whether you're battling to get out of bed in the morning, to go to work, to battle a disrespectful supervisor who refuses to respect you and the work you do. Whether you're a teenager battling to be accepted by your peers or battling not to be commonly mistaken for a thug because you wear a hooded sweatshirt to shield yourself from the rain. Or whether you're a Christian living and battling to live a godly life, life in an ungodly world. Every one of us has something that we have to battle. And although battles do not discriminate, the Lord does not discriminate in who he chooses to use in the fight. We see this all throughout the Bible. God used a youngster with a slingshot to kill a giant and an angel to shut the mouth of a lion, a donkey to speak, and a woman to deliver the Israelites, as we see here in our text. This story unfolds with the Israelites being in bondage, ruthlessly oppressed for 20 years by Sisera, who was the commander of King Japan's army. Deborah came on the scene at a challenging time when Israel had drifted away from God. The Lord used Deborah, a woman who sought to turn the hearts of the people back to God. Deborah walked in the role that was normally occupied by men. Women, especially in the Bible, normally occupied subordinate roles. Nonetheless, it was God who called Deborah a judge, a wise and a holy woman to be judge and prophet over the Jews. Deborah was the only female among the 12 judges. She stands out among others due to her spiritual and civil leadership. She was well respected for her intellect and courage. She is the only woman of the Hebrew Bible who gained prominence on her merit and not because of her relationship to or with the man. Although she was married, the Bible doesn't give us much information about her husband other than his name, Labathoth. The scriptures do not mention anything about how Labathoth felt about Deborah being a judge, a powerful position. You know, it takes a certain kind of man to be married to a powerful woman. It has to be a man who is secure in himself, a man that knows when to stand beside his wife to let her know, I will walk with you. Know when to stand in front of her to let her know, I will protect you. And know when to stand behind her to push her into her destiny. <laughs> Oh, the scriptures don't tell us how her husband felt 
about the office that she held as a prophet. We are told nothing about her husband's character. And you know, the more I read this text and thought about this powerful woman being married, I seem to be more concerned with what was excluded rather than what was included in the text. I wanted to know how Brother Labathor, if you will, responded to his wife, Deborah, when she came home and told him that the general of the military army was only going to go to battle if she went with him. Really? Really? Mm. I pondered this thought. I wanted to know how her husband felt, so I had no other choice than to speculate. Saints, it's not my intentions to rewrite scripture. However, to employ your attention to a conversation that may have taken place but was not included in scripture. The more I thought about the situation, the more my curiosity got the best of me. I wanted to know the conversation that possibly took place when Deborah told her husband, oh, did she do like some of us wives do? when we have to talk to our husbands about an unfavorable topic that might lead to a heated discussion? Did she prepare a nice dinner and possibly put on a dress he favored? Okay. Particularly the red dress with some high heels that diverted his, his attention that caused him to say, my, 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 girl, you sure look good tonight. I imagine that this wise woman prepared his favorite meal and they were sitting at the table enjoying dinner. Deborah, overly attentive, she asked him about her day and he told about hers. I imagine it went something like this. You know, honey, Today I had some of the usual disputes. Some family had problems. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. Honey, you seem to be enjoying your steak. You know I made it just the way you like it. With those sauteed onions, those red potatoes and those baby carrots. Oh, oh, by the way, by the way. A powerful word came to Barack, you know, the general of the military army. So I sent for him and, and I told him, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel commands you. Call out 10,000 warriors from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulon at Mount Tabor. And I will call out Sesera, the commander of King Japan's army, along with his chariots and warriors to the Kishin River. There I will give you victory over him. Honey, it was the most powerful word that I received from the Lord. I felt that one. And Barak did receive it and he said that he will go, but under one condition.
only if you go with me. Say what? <laughs> what type of husband will let his wife go into battle? What type of husband will permit his wife to be in harm's way? The type of husband that saw God put her into the position as the first woman judge. The type of husband who trusts the God that operates in her and through her. The type of husband that trusts the word of God that was placed upon her life and the anointing that God placed upon her to carry her through. <sighs> Although it was a word from the Lord, Barak hesitated and saying he would only go if Deborah went with him. It wasn't because he was a coward, as some commentary state that I beg to differ. He was a general, the highest ranking of the general officers, the military commander. He was responsible for combat readiness. Oh, he was large and in charge. His position validated his power and the authority. Barack was a man of great courage and wisdom, for he recognized Deborah's authority had been given to her by the Lord. So he obeyed her authority, even though it came from a woman. Something extremely rare in ancient times. The defeat of the Canaanite army was under the prophetic leadership of Deborah and the military leadership of Barack. And I like to believe that Barak was reluctant for two reasons. One, this battle was different. Ah, there were overwhelming odds against him. Although Barak had a force of 10,000 warriors, his enemy Sisera had the advantage because he had 900 iron chariots. 900 iron chariots. In ancient warfare, chariots were like tanks, swift, intimidating, and deadly. Barak knew their military strengths, and he didn't have the capacity or the weapons to go looking for a fight. See, I'm from New York, where I grew up in the projects. You know, there was a cold in the ghetto. If you were in a fight and lost the battle, and you went around the enemy's territory to seek revenge, oh, you were a bad mamma jamma. And if you did go around there to seek revenge, you better be packing. This, this is why Barack was hesitant. But the other reason why Barack's reluctance was his inadequacy in fighting spiritually. He was a warrior in physical battles. But this battle was initiated in the spiritual realm. It was God who initiated this battle. It was God who told Deborah to deliver the message. You know, I wonder why. Is that too, the reason why too many of us are losing battles? Because we are fighting spiritual battles in the natural. Spiritual battles should be fight in the spirit. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down of strongholds. <sighs> Some battles you can't fight on your feet. Ah, you may have to go on your face and lay before the Lord. Some battles uh, that will bring you to your knees and have you to cry out, Lord, I can't handle this. I need you to go before me. Oh, come on, somebody say, the battle is not yours. And somebody else respond, it's the Lord's. Ah, there are some of us who are in battles right now. 
some battles that are keeping us awake at night, a battle that is not yours. You're fighting someone else's battles. Therefore, your efforts are useless. Some of you are battling generational demons. It's not even your demon. You inherited them. It was your great-grandmother's demons that was passed down to your grandmother, that was passed down to your mother, and it should have been killed before it got to you. And now you're battling three generational demons that's holding you in bondage, but should have died long time ago. That battle is not yours, it's the Lord's. You can't battle everyone else's demons. You can't battle everyone else's problems in yours too. You can, but God can. Oh, come on somebody and say the battle is not yours. And someone else respond, it's the Lord's. And my prayer is that you and I will have the wisdom to know the difference between the battles that we're called to fight and the battles that belong to the Lord. And while I was pondering this thought, there are some life truths that I gleaned from Judge and Prophet Deborah that I want you to consider. The first thing she recognized, recognized that the Lord is in control. That the Lord is in control. Verses six and seven of our text makes it clear that it was Deborah who used, God the Lord that who used Deborah, his servant, to command Barak to rally up the troops for battle. It was the Lord who chose the battleground when you wage war on the enemy, it's usually on your terms and your territory. When the Lord is in control of the battle, he has already made provisions. He is in control of both actions and reactions. There are no surprises with God. He already has a plan in place, and he doesn't make up steps along the way. God strategically and carefully rearranged his plan. God is in control of every aspect of your life. The other life truth that I gleaned from Judge and Prophet Deborah, reassurance, reassurance. The Lord will be with you in the battle. The Lord will be with you in the battle. My brothers and my sisters, whatever you're battling, whether it's your finances or lack thereof, whether you're battling sickness in your body, depression or oppression, you're not alone. The Lord is with you. Regardless of how lonely you may feel sometimes, regardless of the difficult situations that you may go in through in life, when you stand on the promises of God, that's when you have to declare his word. And God promises that when you go through the world, Water, that you shall not drown. And when you go through the fire, you shall not be burned. God promises that he will keep you in perfect peace as long as you keep your mind stayed on him. God promises that he will never leave you nor forsake you, that he will be with you even into the ends of the earth. The Lord is true to his word. As we see this truth in verse 14 of our text, where the Lord is marching ahead of Barak and the troops in battle. And while I was reading this passage of scripture, I was reminded of Joshua, who was also a military leader. 
and when he was leading the troops for battle and preparing them and the Israelites to go to battle back in Jericho. Hallelujah. Back in Jericho, Joshua, the fifth chapter. It was Joshua that was preparing them for battle. And when Joshua was preparing the troops for battle, he went out to inspect the walled city of Jericho. And while he was outside of the city, maybe he was preparing for war. Maybe he was contemplating a plan for the upcoming battle. This is when he thought he was by himself. Maybe he was just simply encouraging himself. Maybe he declared that I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Maybe he said the Lord is the everlasting God, the great creator of all the earth. He gives strength to the weary and increases his power to the weak. When you're in a battle and the enemy is attacking on every side, you may not have time to call the pastor. You may not have time to call a deacon or a minister. You just going to have to encourage yourself. You're going to have to talk to yourself. I know it wasn't popular or seemed popular to talk to yourself. When I was a kid and when I was growing up and I would see someone talking to themselves, I thought they were crazy and have lost their mind. Now that I'm older, there were times if I didn't talk to myself, if I didn't encourage myself, I would have lost my mind. Oh, sometimes that you're just going to have to look in the mirror and say, self, self. Be encouraged yourself. Oh, you're going to make it self. I know it seems like things are difficult right now. I know it seems like you're falling apart. But get yourself together and prepare. Oh, come on, somebody. Don't leave me out here by myself. I'm not the only one that talked to myself. There are times that you just going to have to encourage yourself. So Joshua walked around the city, scoping it out, contemplating a plan to put in place to fight this battle. And just when he thought that he was by himself, he looked up and saw an unidentified man standing nearby. This wasn't an ordinary man. There was something vastly different about him. This was a man of war for his sword drawn in hand denoted that he was ever ready for battle. So Joshua wanted to know if he was for him or against him. So he approached him and he said, are you a friend or foe? And he replied, neither. But as the commander of the Lord's army, I have now come. In other words, he wasn't there to take sides. He came to take over. To Joshua's amazement, this was the Lord in human form. The Lord stepped out of eternity to personally battle on Joshua's behalf. Saints, there will be some times in your life, in some battles that you will be fighting, that will interrupt heaven and cause God to step out of eternity and enter the planet Earth and battle on your behalf. Oh, come on, somebody say, uh, the battle is not yours. Uh, and somebody else shout, it's the Lord's. So Deborah teaches us uh, a valuable lesson to not be concerned on what it looks like. If God said it, 
that settles it. If he spoke it, he'll bring it to pass. So we see the Lord's victory over this battle in verses 14 through 16 of our text. Let me just take a commercial break right here. When you let the Lord fight your battles, you're going to need to have two major ingredients, faith and patience. Faith and patience. Patience to hold on to your faith and faith to hold on to your patience. So Deborah and Barak, along with 10,000 warriors, sat patiently waiting with anticipation that what was going to happen next. They were just sitting around waiting. Deborah probably was not dressed in military fatigues, but Barak, he probably was, sword ready in hand, ready for battle. Deborah probably didn't carry a sword. Oh, but nonetheless, she had a spiritual garment on. She was a spiritual thermostat and was able to read the spiritual climate. The men sat patiently waiting at Mount Tabor, looking at one another, just waiting to set it off. Barak was relying on Deborah's ability oh, to determine the timing in the spiritual realm. Oh, he knew that she was instructed by divine knowledge and immediate inspiration from the Spirit of God, and he respected her, her spiritual authority. And as quiet as it's kept before the storm, every warrior sat wondering what would happen next. It was a time uh, where Barak was depending on Deborah, and Deborah was depending on God. Uh, and if you would allow me uh, to put on my spiritual imagination, uh, I like to believe uh, that suddenly uh, they heard some loud noises. That it shook the earth. Uh, the ground was moving from underneath their feet. Uh, it seemed like the earth uh, was caving in. Uh, it was Sisera. He arrived at the battlefield uh, with all 900 of his iron chariots. Uh, and since I have on my spiritual imagination, uh, I like to believe uh, Barak and his men uh, were sitting with swords in their hands uh, and they were ready for battle. Barak had one eye on Deborah and the other eye on his sword. Uh, my brothers and my sisters, uh, when you are preparing for battle, you can't be sitting around uh, looking cross-eyed. Uh, you gotta keep both eyes eyes on the Lord. It was vital uh, that Deborah's spiritual ears and eyes were open uh, because she was the guiding force uh, of the battle and she didn't want to tell Barack uh, to move too soon uh, because timing uh, was everything. Uh, so she waited for the Lord. Uh, oh, you don't hear me uh, when the Lord is fighting your battles. Uh, you don't want to get ahead of God. Uh, you just have to wait uh, on the Lord. So Deborah stood in a gap between victory and defeat. And then she looked into the spiritual realm and she saw the Lord 
tying up his Tims, uh, his Timberland boots, uh, getting ready for battle. And then he stepped out uh, into the battlefield uh, and he stretched out of the hand uh, to declare that this means war. Uh, and then Deborah stood up uh, and she said, Barack, get ready. Uh, Barack, get ready. Uh, this is the day uh, that the Lord uh, is giving you victory uh, over Caesarea, for the Lord uh, is marching ahead of you. Uh, so Barak and his warriors uh, leaped on their feet uh, and they started running uh, down Mount Tabor. But while they were running, the Lord was running ahead of them. Uh, And then the hand of the Lord uh, brought a massive storm, uh, the rainstorm uh, that caused the ground uh, to turn to mud. Uh, and those chariots uh, that Caesarea trusted in, uh, they were stuck down uh, and they would bog down uh, in the mud uh, and they couldn't move. Uh, then I heard somebody say, some trust in chariots uh, and some in horses, uh, but we, Trust in the name of the Lord. I don't know what you're going through this evening. I don't know what you're battling, but I thought I'd let you know when you let the enemy fight your battles. Oh God, I thank you. When you let the Lord fight your battles, he will make your enemy your footstool. When you let the Lord fight your battles, he will give you victory over the battles. When you let the Lord fight your battle, he will give you peace in the midst of the battle when you let the lord fight your battle he will declare victory oh victory oh victory over the battle so don't be dismayed for god will take care of you god will strengthen you god will fight for you god will keep you god will go before you for the battle is not yours 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 it's the lord's 